0: Thanks for joining us on the Cross Church podcast today. Today's message was presented on Sunday, October twentieth, and is the third in our series. Thank you, Father. Pastor Allen shares Paul's last-minute advice in First Thessalonians. Thanks for listening. We're on the third week of Thanksgiving. You've heard me say it before. Thanksgiving is my favorite time of the year, and the reason is is because the focus tends to be, well, maybe 90% tends to be on God. 10% is on the turkey, and I don't mean dad. I mean God. We need to understand our call to worship him. We say, thank you, Father. Why do we say that? We say it because God wants us to understand that we have a relationship with him. For so many people who don't know Christ, for so many people who are not from a Judeo-Christian background, they see God as some sort of impersonal force in the universe. We see, they see God as somebody who, if they cross their fingers, if they have the right talismans, if they have the right formulas and if they have the right spell, that maybe they can manipulate God to give them what they want. Christians are supposed to be different. Christians are supposed to understand that we have a relationship with God, that God has revealed himself to us through Jesus Christ as our Father. And for this reason, Jesus tells us to pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The emphasis, the focus is on the Father. I'm gonna tell you, when I became a father, I gained a whole new understanding for who God is. I, I, I really understood the love of God because as I held Jesse, our firstborn, in my arms, I looked at him and I thought, I would die for this kid. I would do anything for him. I love my son that much. Now, the Bible says, if we earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will our heavenly Father give good gifts to us? And so, this is why for four weeks, we're focusing on giving thanks to God. Now, I want to show you a picture, and it's kind of shocking. It's not what you would expect to see at Thanksgiving, but here it is. It's a a very sad picture of survivors of the Holocaust. And in case you don't know what the Holocaust is, you know that Hitler and his henchmen tried to wipe out the Jewish people. Over six million burnt or shot, killed in various ways. And these are just some of the survivors that escaped the death of the ovens. In 2015, the psychologist, the last name Fox, did a research paper. All the research papers are known by the last name of the leader of the research. Fox and his, and his cohort did a study on gratitude. And of all things, what they were focusing on was the survivors of the Holocaust. What triggered this study was that Fox saw a common theme through many of the testimonies of those who actually made it through the Holocaust, who who were not killed. And here's what they found. Quote, "'When these survivors gave testimony, "'many Holocaust survivors told us "'that they found reason to be grateful, "'whether it was because of a stranger "'offering a bit of food "'or a neighbor providing a place to hide.'" These, now get this, these small acts of generosity helped them hold on to their humanity. Did you get that? The common theme among so many of these testimonials of those who survived was was this act of thanksgiving, of gratitude. And in doing so, they held on to their humanity. When I read that, it, it just uh, sparked something in my heart. Now, i got to tell you, I have studied uh, uh, and read all kinds of books, watched documentaries on the whole uh, Second World War, and particularly what the Nazis did to the Jewish people. Uh, I've read that forward and backward. And one of the things that I wondered as a, as, a, as a teenager, young teenager, 13 years old, is how on earth could human beings do that to these people. How could they do this? How could this possibly happen? Well, here's what I discovered. I discovered that that actually these 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 Nazis were actually being demoralized in their and their atrocities and the horrible things they were doing to the Jewish people. And so what their superiors did is they tried to help these German soldiers see the Jews as being subhuman. In other words, they were animals. They were a subhuman race. They are not to be seen or considered as equal to the German race. Now, we obviously know now that that uh, this is absolute lies from the very pit of hell. But this is how they got through. They looked at, the Jew, at these Jewish people as subhuman, as animals. The Jews say the way that we hung onto our humanity, the way that we resisted the animalistic tendencies that, that, that really uh, take hold of so many people who don't know God, who don't love God, who don't follow God, who reject God, is by being like God. Now, the Bible is clear that we have all been created in the image of God. Being created in the image of God means that we understand, first of all, the power of relationships, a love for one another, and treating people out of reverence for God with respect and dignity. So while the Nazis were treating them like animals, the irony of it all is that they were the animals and the Jewish people were the real humans. They were the ones that best reflected who God is. Now, something I want you to clearly see here, and and, and you'll see this all the time, whenever you look at what it means to be truly human. To be truly human is to best reflect God and who God is. And so what do we see? We see gratitude. We see an appreciation for others. I've been in the ministry since 1983. And here's one of the the greatest shocks for me as a pastor and as a Christian. And it's the number of people who never say thank you. I have served. People, I have given to people, I have waited on people, I have counseled people, I have given and given and given. And you would be shocked at how many people never ever say thank you or I appreciate what you've done for me. Listen, if you are a Christian today, if you are born again, like truly converted, you put your faith in Christ and now you're being transformed. Here's what you need to understand. That those who are truly converted are people who know how to give thanks because this is the very heart of God. You are most like your father in heaven when you have learned how to give thanks. I want to tell you the story of a a man by the name of Daniel. Some of you may have learned about him when uh, when you were children in Sunday school. I want to tell you about Daniel. I can't tell you everything about Daniel because the story's too long, but I want to tell you about one incident in his life. Daniel, in case you don't know who he is, was uh, one of the uh, Jewish uh, young men that were taken into exile. He's of noble birth, uh, a very intelligent young man, but more importantly, he's a very godly young man. Israel had sinned against God and sinned so bad that God actually had to kick them out of the land. Or as, as, it's, as one of the prophets says, they were vomited out of the land. That land that they were given, that, that promised land, which we call Israel, was given to them by God so that they would be a holy nation amongst very unholy nations. You remember me mentioning just before we... Uh, before we prayed, that, that when Israel came to Canaan, God told them, to, you have to wipe out the people. These are people that kill babies. The sexual immorality and the, the offering of infants to Moloch, the, the, the god of the underworld, uh, means that these people need to be destroyed. Now listen to this. Israel became like the wicked nations around them. And God said, that's it, you're out. And so all of Israel is sent into into exile, into Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar was the king at that time. And he saw great potential in Daniel. So Daniel was promoted and promoted to a high position. And we see that Daniel is incredibly successful. In fact, we see that he is loyal, and has incredible ability serving not just Nebuchadnezzar but all of the emperors uh, of Babylon. So he's, he's serving uh, Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, uh, Darius, Cyrus. He's faithful, he's loyal to them all. Now, there's some men that were very jealous of Daniel. They didn't like the fact that he kept getting promotions. Under Darius's rule, Darius the emperor of the Medes and the Persians, Daniel was promoted along with several others, but Daniel was smarter than them, more brilliant than them, and he had this special ability. He could he could interpret dreams. So the next thing you know, Daniel is now in a position to be promoted to be the prime minister of the whole empire. It's, it was like Joseph, who was promoted to being responsible for all of Egypt. The only person over Joseph was Pharaoh. And in Daniel's place, the only one over Daniel was none other than the, the emperor himself. Now, I just want to, before we go any further, I just want to remind everybody of what we've been talking about over the past few weeks. Two weeks ago, Pastor Chris talked about the importance of us uh, giving and sharing with others so as to cause other people to praise our Father in heaven. This is, what, again, what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Let your good deeds be known and seen by everybody so that they will praise your Father in heaven. And Paul talks about that in Corinthians, doesn't he? When he talks about how your gifts, uh, are, when they're given to those who are poor and in need, the people are so grateful that it causes people to praise your Father in heaven. This is, this is part of, 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 of why we ask you to give because it creates what we call a, maybe a domino effect because you're praising God, you're giving your gifts because you're thankful to God for what he's done for you and then as you give those gifts, it blesses somebody else and it causes those people to praise your father in heaven and so you see it going on and on. Last week, we said this. We said that it is, it is critical that we acknowledge God's faithfulness, God's goodness to us, and that we obey him. Because when we obey him and when we we give thanks to him, this is what true worship is. Now, I just want to show you a little little chart I, I created. Because this really describes the Christian life. A very simple way of putting it. You give thanks to God and when you give thanks to God, you're reminded to obey God. Did you know that? Every time you spend time giving thanks to God, you now are reminded of God's relationship to you. He's your father and you're reminded that your father is good to you and you're reminded to obey him and do what he says because he's a good father. And then out of that, there's obedience, you obey him. And then when you obey him, God blesses you and when God blesses you, what do you do? You're, you're back to giving thanks again. So there's this, there's this, this is the cycle that should be happening in the lives of every believer, every Christian. This is exactly, by the way, how Daniel lived. So here's Daniel. He's been, he's in a position now to be promoted, and everybody around him is absolutely furious who is this Jewish kid that comes to live amongst us and now is going to take over the empire? Well, first of all, Daniel had no interest in taking over the empire. His desire was to honor God by serving the king. And so they thought, well, let's try to find something. Let's try to get dirt on him. And so what they did is they started examining his, his, his every move. They watched to see what he was doing, what he wasn't doing. But they couldn't find anything. This guy is squeaky clean. He does nothing wrong. And so they thought, well, what, what are we going to do? Well, let's, let's take another look. What is, how does he spend his time? How does he spend his life? Well, lo and behold, this is a guy that prays all the time. And they think, aha, here's what we're going to do. And so they hatched the plan. They went to the king, King Darius, and said, King Darius, we think that you are magnificent. You are the most wonderful king. And you are so wonderful, we think that everybody in the kingdom, everybody in the entire kingdom of the Medes and the Persians should pray to you only. Darius, too stupid to recognize what flattery looks like, he said, that's a great idea. I I think that's a, yes, for 30 days, everybody needs to pray to me. They knew they had Daniel now. And so they brought the paperwork to the king. They were all ready for this. And the king signed the law, signed into law that for 30 days, nobody would pray to anybody but Darius the king. And this is what we read in Daniel chapter six, verse 10. But when Daniel learned that the law not to pray to God had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. This was Daniel's habit. In our church, our discipleship strategy is simple. We're teaching people how to imitate the habits of Jesus. And the very first habit of Christ is to have a daily walk with God, to pray and connect with the heart of God. Well, this is exactly what Daniel's doing. It is his habit. Look at it, it says, just as he had always done. Nothing is gonna interfere with his good habits. He's gonna walk with God. He's gonna pray three times a day, giving thanks to his God. By the way, it is Jewish custom that everybody pray three times a day. And every Jewish person knows what that is about. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. But he prays three times a day, as is his habit, giving thanks to God. Wow, wow. Daniel's enemies, they were jubilant. They could hardly believe their good luck. They now had Daniel right where they wanted him. Oh, and by the way, that law that had been signed, it said anybody who breaks that law shall be thrown into a den of very hungry lions. Now, this is really interesting Daniel knows what's at stake. He knows that he's in danger, and yet he absolutely refuses to change his habits. And before I go any further, I'd like the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart, and I'd like you to open your heart to what the Spirit of God is saying to you right now. Because you may, at this very moment, be facing some very difficult times, like Daniel, where you're tempted you're tempted to abandon your faith, abandon godly and righteous principles so that you can get what you think you want. More important in Daniel than ruling the whole emperor, empire is making sure that his walk with God is what it needs to be. Can I ask you the question this morning? Is this important to you? Is this the most important thing in your life? Because walking with God for the Christian is the most important thing that you are going to do every day. And the reason that you're in trouble right now is either because of your faithfulness to God or because you haven't been walking with God. It's easy to figure it out. You ask yourself the question, do I pray and read my Bible every day? If not, that's why you're in trouble. Now, if you're in trouble because of your walk with God, I've got good news for you. God is sovereign. He is the king of the universe. He is omnipotent. He's in charge. The king is not in charge. Your enemies are not in charge. The bankers are not in charge. Your boss is not in charge. Your enemies have no power over you. You belong to God. Now, this is critical to understand this. Daniel, if you go back in Daniel chapter three, he saw his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were thrown into a fiery furnace for the same reason that Daniel now is gonna be in trouble because they refused to give up on their God. They refuse to turn their back on their God. They refuse to compromise. No, they will not bow down to anyone but the King of kings and the Lord of lords. How are you living your life? What's important to you? Well, Daniel, throw me in a furnace, cut my head off, throw me to Lion's Den. I'm not compromising when it comes to my walk with God. Understand this morning how critical it is that you get this. If you are indeed a Christian, somebody who is truly converted, then you understand what I'm saying. I'm saying you need to maintain your relationship with God because if you don't, you are in danger of apostasy, of falling away. You are in danger of forgetting your God. And here's the thing. You're not gonna just forget your God. You will start worshiping another God. Whether it's the God money, whether it's the God pleasure, or sex. And by the way, if you look at, do a study of all the gods of the ancient world, money, sex, all this sort of thing, fame, fortune, you need to maintain this relationship with God. And I'm gonna tell you what it looks like in just a moment. But first, let us complete this look at Daniel. It says here, so they went, this is his enemies, they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Hey, did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied. That decision stands. It is an official law of the Medes and the Persians that cannot be revoked. Folks, when the law was established, not even the emperor, not even the king could revoke that law. It was, it was a done deal. Now, the king finally recognized what was going on. He realized that he'd been played. And he is very upset. The Bible says that the king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve so faithfully rescue you. Darius understands that Daniel is a great man, but he understands something else, that the God of Daniel is greater. And now, Darius is putting his faith in God. He's saying, may your God help you, Daniel. And that's exactly what happened then. Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. Now you can imagine what a terrible sleep that Darius would have had that night. And in fact, I'm doubtful that he would have slept at all. Because in verse 19 of Daniel chapter 6, it says, very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. Darius wanted to know what happened to his best man, the best man in the whole empire. What happened to him? In verse 20, when he got there, he called out in anguish. Do you hear that? In anguish. It wasn't just idle curiosity, this has gripped his heart. He was deeply grieved and saddened by all this, and he recognized that it was totally out of his control, and he cried out, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, whom you served so faithfully, able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, long live the king. My God has sent an angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, my majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den and not a scratch was found on him for he had trusted in his God. Let the spirit of God speak to you right now because you're busy trying to take life into your own hands, you're, take matters into your own hands. Stop it. Look to God. Get your focus on him. This is, why, this is what we talked about last week. Thanksgiving. Gratitude teaches us to get our eyes off of people and circumstances. How many know that people will always let you down? For the most part, they won't do it on purpose, but people fail. How many know that today? But there is one who never fails. Jesus never fails. Hallelujah. Jesus never fails. Daniel knew this before he was ever thrown into any lion's den. And then watch this, verse 24. And I think even, even I think this is extreme. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel, verse 24. He had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. Ouch. And listen to this. The lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. Verse 24. Whatever you're going through right now, The Spirit of God wants you to know this today. God is in charge. God is sovereign. God's will shall be done. The question is this, will you submit to him? Will you start living the way God wants you to live? Because you have not had your eyes on Jesus, you have not been focusing on him, you've been caught up with the things and the people around you, and it has distracted you. It has thrown you off course, and that's why you're in trouble. Here's what Darius, King Darius discovers about the God of Daniel. Hey, by the way, every single Christian wants the world to know about his God or her God, amen? Isn't that what we're about? Isn't that what Jesus said? You will be my witnesses. September, for four weeks, that's what we talked about. Talked about my story, telling my story, telling the world what Jesus has done for me. Well, Daniel Daniel's story is known now very well by King Darius. And here's what he says. This will blow your mind. Verse 25 of Daniel's 6. Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. You want the whole world to know about your God? Then you're gonna have to start living like Daniel. And King Darius said this to all the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Daniel, it could be said, is the greatest evangelist of all time. Not even Billy Graham could do what what Daniel did. And here's what King Darius says. This this is just mind-boggling. He says, peace and prosperity to you. I decree... This is his law. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. Wow. Who is this God? Well, this is Daniel's God. Can you imagine? God is known by his relationship to Daniel. (laughs) How does God reveal himself to the world? He reveals himself through people who have put their faith in him. Will people say, hey, i like to know Alan's God. Can you imagine that God is known by that name? Alan's God, Shelley's God, Daniel's God. Wow. Darius says, for he is the living God, he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. Darius saw it with his own eyes. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Hey, look at this folks, emperors come and go, but the man of God lives forever, hallelujah. I'm gonna tell you today, Satan is a liar He's a deceiver and he's constantly flapping his gums in your ear. You say, Pastor Alan, why you say flapping his gums? Because Jesus Christ has defanged him. Did you get that? Jesus Christ has won the battle, has won the victory at the cross. All Satan can do is lie to you in your ear. And he lies to you and tries to strike fear in your heart. But I'm going to tell you right now, folks, as long as you're praying three times a day, if that's your habit, just as you'd always done, giving thanks to your God, and Satan has no choice but to flee from you. But if you're not praying, if you're not listening to the voice of God, then I can guarantee you, you're going to be listening to another voice. And it's the voice of hell. He's going to lie to you. He's going to convince you It's not going to work. It's going to fall apart. You're going to be broke. You're going to die. You're going to, you're going to, marriage is going to fall apart. You're going to lose your job. You're going to be on the lies will just keep on coming because that's what Satan is. That's who he is. Did you ever see the, the Geico ad? It's what he does. Okay. Forget that. Satan is a liar. That's what he does all day long, just lying and lying and accusing you and accusing you and telling you you're going to lose, you're going to die. It's not going to work. God can't love you. How could God forgive you? Your sin is too big this time. It's over. You may as well quit, pack it in. It's over. Don't do it anymore. But I'm going to tell you, if you're praying every day and you're staying connected to the heart of God, then I'm going to tell you in Jesus' name, you are more than a conqueror. Hey, you know what? I I am sick to death of people talking about uh, not being legalistic. You've heard that. When we first rolled out the Seven Habits, here's what some of our some of our critics said. Who, by the way, are not with us anymore. I'm not saying they're dead, they're just not with us anymore. Well, these, these, are, these, are, these are rules and this is legalism and we, I'm not under the law, I'm under grace. Have you heard that, that garbage? I'm gonna tell you right now, folks, Jesus Christ has called us to be his disciples. Has anybody ever heard of the word disciple? Has anybody ever heard of the word discipline? They have a common root. Learner, student, as as a Christian, you are called to be disciplined, to have habits, certain behaviors. As I'm trying to teach you how to follow Jesus, as I'm teaching you these habits, these behaviors, one of the habits is this one. Pray three times a day as a habit, just as he had always done. Look, I'm not putting you under law You're under grace if you put your faith in Christ, but you still have to have a structure. I'm a father. I've got three kids. Talk about grace at our house. There's so much grace that my kids never want to leave. (laughs) They know there's love in the house. They know that they're loved, and we have an excellent relationship. We talk, we fellowship. Uh, Literally, we're talking to our kids every day. But there's structure, there's rules, why? Because I want them to have a great life. I want them to be a success in life. And so it is with your relationship with God, there has to be structure, you can't be loosey-goosey. Don't give me that garbage, I'm under grace. Because those who are under grace understand better than anyone How important it is to follow in the steps of Jesus Christ. Someone say, Amen. Amen. This is what we're talking about. And so the Apostle Paul, I think just maybe he had Daniel in mind when he shared this with the Christians in Thessaloniki. What does he say? He says, and this is the grateful lifestyle always be joyful, always be joyful. Now, not, not once in a while, always. You say, Pastor, that's not possible. No, it's not possible unless you're converted, unless you put your faith in Christ. This is why Paul says to the Philippians, Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'm gonna say it, just to make sure that you get this. Again, I'm gonna say it, rejoice. This is what we do. Listen, if you don't have a smile on your face, if you're not joyful, then there's something wrong. It's, it's the joy test. If you're not joyful, then, then you need to run to God and say, God, something's not right here. I'm not happy. I'm not joyful. And wait in God's presence. And I'm gonna, I guarantee you the Holy Spirit's going to show it to you like that. You instantly will know. And I can tell you that the reason that we're not joyful so often is because we're not walking in obedience. So we need to be joyful, always joyful. It's not, it's not optional. How many know that this isn't just good advice? Everybody knows that? Because a lot of people nowadays when they read the Bible, they think, well, it's just advice. It's, 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 like, it's like reading any book of, uh, of, of good Proverbs and quotes. This is, this is imperative. You have to do this. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Well, this is Daniel. He just, re- throw me into the lion's den, throw me into the furnace, cut my head off, stab me on my head, do whatever you want. I'm not stopping praying. I'm praying no matter what. And if you don't know how to pray, go back into, the, uh, into our archives and podcasts and find the series on, on how to pray. And then Paul says, be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. Look at this, what I'm telling you right now, this is for people who are believers. If you're not a believer, I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad you're hearing all this, and I hope that somehow, someway, you will be intrigued with all this and dig deeper and perhaps give your heart to Jesus and start following him. But for those of you who are, in fact, converted, born again, this is how you live Thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. Now, look at this. If these Holocaust survivors could, could be grateful when their life is, is on a knife's edge, then you can be thankful, right? If Daniel, who faces certain death in a lion's den, can be thankful, then you can be thankful, right? If Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego faced with a fiery furnace can be thankful, then you can be thankful, right? This is what we do. This is, this, if you're a Christian, this is what we do. We are thanksgiving people in all circumstances. Hey, I know some of you right now are going through really, really tough times, And you need to change the way you talk to each other at your house. You need to stop focusing on people, stop focusing on your circumstances and focus on God and start recognizing the many, many blessings you know, I told you last week that one of the things Gloria and I love to do in October is we get away for a retreat for just the two of us, and we spend a lot of time in prayer. And here's what, as, as we're getting older and, and we're maturing more, here's what we're discovering that so much of our prayer time, at least almost half of it is actually Thanksgiving. And we start giving God thanks for all the many, many, many blessings in our lives. And we feel, then this is, this is what's gonna happen. As we are giving thanks to God, guess what's happening? Faith is rising up in our hearts. Faith and trust in God, and we believe that our God can do anything. Paul says, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Now, for a lot of people, when they read that, they have no clue what that means. I asked Gloria last said, what do you think that means? And she answered it right away. She said, Well that that speaks of being obedient to God. <laughs> right on, dear. That's exactly right. Some people think when you read that, well that means you know, don't don't prohibit speaking in tongues. I don't speak in tongues all you want, I don't care. Be joyful, be full of the life and whatever. But here's what you need to understand about not stifling the Holy Spirit. It means that you obey him because the work of the Holy Spirit in your life is to lead you into all holiness, to to lead you to do God's will, to lead you in the very footsteps of Jesus. Look at every time you say no to God, you're stifling the Holy Spirit. Every time you refuse to, to obey Jesus, you're saying, no. Now, I was a father with three kids, and they said no only a few times <laughs> in their little lives. I can tell you it was 100% not acceptable at my house. And I can tell you, between Gloria and I, we won, W-O-N, we won every single battle. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not say no to God. Rather, say yes to God. And what does God want you to do? Well, here it is. This is, the, this is God's will for you. Be thankful. Express gratitude. Be joyful. Pray. Pray. When you stifle the Holy Spirit, you refuse to give thanks to God. And you make a decision to say, God, I'm going to do whatever I want. And let me remind you of something in closing. Jesus Christ lived a life of gratitude. What, he's, he's constantly giving thanks to God. He broke the bread and he gave thanks to God. This is, in fact, what the Apostle Paul reminds the Corinthian Christians. He says, on the night when when Jesus was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. If Jesus, just hours before going to the cross, could offer thanks to God, then every one of us here can do that. Because none of us, is facing a cross. You and I are called to be like Jesus. It was his habit to give thanks to God, as it was Daniel's habit to pray and give thanks to God. Would you stand with me, please? Next Sunday is gonna be a very special Sunday because next Sunday, we are actually gonna give thanks to God in communion. Now, some of you are from a background where you call communion, the taking of the Lord's cup and the bread. You call it the Eucharist. Eucharist is a, comes from the Greek word, which means thank you. Next week, we're going to express thank you to God by taking the cup and the bread. Please, please be here for that. It'll be a very special service of meeting with the Lord. Amen? Father, as we, as we go from here worshiping you and living this grateful lifestyle, refusing to whine, refusing to complain, refusing to grumble, refusing to be miserable, but instead choosing to be joyful, choosing, God, to pray, choosing to be thankful in all circumstances, choosing to surrender to the Holy Spirit and not stifle the Holy Spirit. God, we pray that we would know incredible joy and thanksgiving. That in giving thanks to you, Lord, we would find ourselves obeying you and then enjoying your blessing. May that cycle continue in the hearts of each one here today because, God, you have shown us how to live this holy life and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me? Hey, tell the person beside you, go vote.